creativity is not something we do. It's like something that happens to us. You show up and you sit down to do the thing you're going to do and you open your vessel and you kind of let the universe pour through you what needs to pour through you. The more open you can be, the better. Welcome back to episode 304 of the Let It Out podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. You're in for a treat today, you guys. Linnea Sims, founder of Interplay and Outer Work, is the guest on today's episode. We've known each other for several years, and this conversation felt so nourishing to me, and I think it will to you too. We covered a lot of ground, everything from anti-racism work needing to be a parallel process with self-care, the importance of personal growth and fun being intertwined, visualization, the uncomfortable part of being a beginner, energy work, shifting energy. We talk about privilege and manifestation and spiritual privilege. We talk about relationships, social media, robbing you of your creativity. We talk about creativity in general. We talk about learning quite a bit and and she gives two learning models, banking and constructivism and so much more. She is an educator, a self-development coach and the founder of Interplay and Outer Work, which are dual education networks for cultivating personal growth and collective change. Whether she's teaching about self-development or systematic racism, her mission is always the same, to provide a safe, communal, and fun place to learn and grow. And she's been featured in paper and essence, and she's been on the stage at South by Southwest. And honestly, she's just one of my favorite people to have a conversation with. And I am so excited for you to eavesdrop on this conversation today. I think we'll be collaborating a lot. I know we're going to be collaborating a lot more. I'm a member of her anti-racism practice group, Outer Work, and now part of Interplay as well. And this is just a very robust conversation covering a lot of ground. If you listened to my episode last week, you met my friend Helen. She is a movement instructor and her and I are hosting three summer workshops, coupling mindful movement and reflective journaling for self-discovery around three themes, anxiety, transitions, and pain. So if you want to join us for one or all of them, the link will be in the show notes. Also, I'm getting ready to launch the right kit. So if you've tried any of my other journaling kits, cool. Thank you. (laughs) This one's going to be really special. And if you have any thoughts or feedback or want to join me for it, I would love to have you. So the links to all of that are in the show notes. I will speak to you guys at the end and I hope you're having a good summer and a good summer. That sounds like a weird thing to say given the year we're having, but I hope that you are cozy and safe and well and doing your best. And I hope this conversation gives you some inspiration, joy, makes you feel less alone. And I am grateful that you're here and listening. 
This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. Skillshare offers memberships with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and support fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life with all the circumstances that come with it. These lessons can help you stay inspired, express yourself, and introduce you to a community of millions. At a time with so many important conversations happening in our world, your voice is more essential than ever. Explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. Skillshare has classes on freelancing, entrepreneurship, interior design, cooking, graphic design, photography, music, so much more. You guys, there's literally um, like so many classes on there. One Skillshare class that I'm really excited to take is creative personal writing with past podcast guest, Ashley C. Ford, who I love. It's such a great class. And one of the exercises, she has you revisit a song from when you were young and use that as a writing prompt. Mari Andrew, another guest that I've had on Let It Out, also has a class called Drawing and Self-Discovery that I'm really excited to check out next. Skillshare is incredibly affordable, especially when compared to other really pricey in-person classes and workshops. The annual subscription is less than $10 a month. I love how accessible it is. And best of all, for us, it's even more affordable. Start with two months free of a premium membership and explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash let it out. That's two months free at Skillshare.com slash let it out. I'm going to, in addition to a sponsor each week, highlight an organization that I believe in and support. So this week, I want to talk about the Loveland Foundation. Many of you maybe already know about it. It was created by Rachel Cargill. The Loveland Foundation Fund provides financial assistance to Black women and girls seeking therapy. Everyone, and especially Black women and girls, deserve access to healing and mental health resources. The Loveland Foundation is doing such important and meaningful work, and I hope you'll join me in supporting them. If you would like to make a donation, or if you are a Black woman or girl interested in applying for financial assistance, go to thelovelandfoundation.org. The link will be in the show notes as well. Lene, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for doing this. We were just talking before we started recording that we connected unclear exactly how many years ago, (laughs) but several years ago and had a really dreamy... I don't really even remember what we talked about collaborating on or what we were going to do, but I remember you had Gooey Girl. Yeah. And I loved it and I loved the name so yeah. much because I'm a gooey girl. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember like we were I think I was coming to LA soon after that and we were like trying to hang out and it was a mm-hmm. whole thing and um I just I don't even remember like I said exactly what we discussed but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that Maya Angelou quote of like I remember how it made me feel and I yeah. just really liked you and I really liked following you from that point forward. And I don't know how we even connected, but ever since then, I've just been like, she's such a good egg. Thank you. That's so nice. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's been so long while Gooey Girl. What a throwback. <laughs> I know. I know. I just really like a enjoyed lifetime ago. Yeah. I enjoyed that conversation. I'm glad we've kept in touch ever since. Yeah. Um, so, okay. How are you is really what I want to know first. How are you doing... <laughs> 
in all of this, everything that's been going on in the last several months and mm-hmm. how are you taking care of yourself? I know you're creating so much and holding so much space mm-hmm. for so many people with inner work and outer work, which we'll talk about. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mostly just want to know how you're doing. Yeah, thank you. I'm good, you know. Honestly, I feel more in my purpose than ever before. And that in and of itself has like fueled me a lot. Of course, it's been the weirdest year ever and the hardest year really. But it's kind of like this very interesting thing where I don't really believe in a binary system of the world whatsoever. But I also think that when you, it's kind of like when things are the hardest, they're also the best, you know? Mm. That's kind of the phase that I'm in right now. Because first, of course, with COVID happening, that redirected my life in a hardcore way. But it was like the change that I needed personally. So it was kind of divine timing in a lot of ways. Like I literally had quit my job that I've had for two years. I quit my job. My last day was the day before shelter in place started. And wow. so it was kind of like the universe being like, okay, you wanted, you wanted some time to work on your projects. Like, here you go. And that was kind of wild. And then right after that, with everything happening after George Floyd was killed, you know, and then I ended up starting a second business out of the blue, which I'm sure we'll get into. But that was like a really crazy time too. And I felt like I was so heartbroken by everything that was happening in the world, but I was also at the same time so humbled and so honored that so many people were picking up the cause of race, of race relations and racism and wanting to do something. And that felt so beautiful. And especially like once I ended up starting my anti-racism group, having the reaction to it that I did and the excitement that I've, I've felt from people who really want to learn and do better, um, that has really like added more fuel to, to my fire, I guess. It's really made me, um, it's just like, it, it amazes me every day. Like every single day I wake up to like 70 notifications from the anti-racism group of people commenting on things and getting really excited about the work that we're doing in there. So it's kind of like this super massively intense time where I haven't even had the chance to slow down and think about really how I feel. But in this moment that you asked me, I feel just kind of like overwhelmed by gratitude in a way. And I'm a member of the anti-racism group and it's so wonderful. And I just want to thank, I know I've thanked you privately, but I want to thank you on here for creating such a lovely smart group and place and I'm learning so much and I really enjoy it and the format and I I think I told you this privately too but I've I've recommended it to other people and I've really enjoyed getting not only people who listen to the podcast telling me that they've had a great experience with it but I don't know if I told you this I had someone I went to high school with send me a text and be like hey wow. I joined that thing that and I haven't talked to them and it was actually a Facebook message I don't even have their number wow yeah. And they were like, I, I joined that thing that you posted about and you know, it's really useful to me. And I had someone else that I lived near when I lived in Detroit send me a similar message. Like People from that I've known in all these different capacities are now in this group that's been meaningful to me from a friend that I knew from or you, <laughs> yeah. from, you know, a, a different context. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I think, you know, doing my own anti-racism work, I was I was honestly ordered all the books, joined all the Patreons, did all of the things that were very, very popular, mm-hmm. and, which is great. And I'm so happy that I did. And, and I did all of that. And then 
when I discovered your new work, your new business, I felt most at home there. And I think it's like with anything else that I do, I, I've said this about you to other people, like I find, you know, places that I feel at home and I felt within anti-racism work like really like I found the the place that was correct for me in this. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to thank you for that. I hope I thank articulated you. that okay. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. And it's funny, I had like a similar conversation this morning with the interplay members. And we were just talking about how like what's so powerful about both groups about interplay and about outer work is that the people who are meant to find it, find it. And I really yeah. believe that. And it's like, we, we had a call this morning that was very free flowing and we were all just kind of sharing like where we're at right now. And it was amazing how much crossover there was. And I was like, well, this isn't a surprise. It's because like, we've all found each other for a reason. Like we're creating a real community. And that's really what I wanted was like a space where people could be held with each other and really just feel like they had a space to be vulnerable and they had a space to ask questions and, you know, not feel like they were going to get attacked if they got something wrong, but instead that they were going to like get helped and get further educated. That was really important to me. So, you know, the thing I'm like proud of, like most proud of with outer work is that out of almost 700 members, over 500 of them have been referred by someone else. Mm. So it's been this like amazing, like grassroots kind of movement in a way that feels so special. Like that's, that blows my mind every time I think about it, that it's all from people just recommending it to other people. And I think that's how you also kind of keep that really great homey feeling in the group. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We've mentioned both of them, but I think this is the, I was going to ask you this later, but I think we should right off the top, you've created these two educational networks, which that concept educational network is something that I haven't really seen before. Mm -hmm. And I made these kits that I maybe have sent you and I will send you. Mm -hmm. And I was going through a million platforms and Thinkific and Mighty Networks and all of the things and the way... And I'm sure you did as well when you were doing that. But the way that this is set up is so beautiful and so cool and, and a really new concept because there's so many platforms and so many online courses. And the way that you have constructed these is so cool. And I would love if you could explain what the impetus behind both interplay and outer work is and how you developed them and how they coexist. Because I think you were starting to say this, but to me from the outside, it feels like it was kind of magical and they, they fit together like Mm -hmm. puzzle pieces that maybe you didn't even have when you first came up with the first idea. Yeah. That is exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like a long winding story. So bear with me. Get cozy, Uh, everyone. It's going to be good. I just did. I like rearranged in my chair. I'm like prepared. Okay. (laughs) So I started Interplay last year. And I started originally because I had this kind of epiphany where I was like, wow, I've been working in wellness for a really long time. And I felt like wellness was too serious for me. And that was really like the, the main thing. I was just like, I just feel like everything is so serious all the time. Like, why can't we just have a little bit more fun when we talk about our self development? Like, why can't it just be more about like playing and learning and experimenting and just trying new things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. And you know what I mean? Like I just wanted it to be more lighthearted because I felt like I couldn't find a space that really felt like me. And so that was a big part of it. And so I created interplay and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like host some fun workshops and it'll be cool. But I kind of freaked out. Like I started it in 2019, um, right after my birthday in March. And I was like, 
all jazzed. And then I kind of like floundered and was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know if I want to do this. I moved and I was just like, I don't really want to have this pressure of having a business. Like I'm just going to focus on my job and my move and that's it. And so I kind of tabled it for a long time. And then basically towards the end of last year, I just was like, I was doing this daily practice of you know, my own energy work where I was working on my, on my energy channels every morning, which is something I still do. And I was, as part of that, envisioning, like, what did I want my life to look like? You know, what did I want my, like, actual flow of my days to look like? And I realized, like, all I wanted to do was, like, connect with people and write. And so I started thinking about interplay again and, like, how I could create it in a way that would allow me to do that. And so long story short, I ended up relaunching Interplay and it was a membership this time. And it was all about me sharing my like my energy work with people because I had been sharing it for a while on Instagram and people seemed to really like it. So I started it that way and I launched it. Okay. So then fast forward to, I guess like around April, May, I had been doing some cool workshops with Interplay and it was fun, but I was like, still felt like something was missing. Like I was like, okay, so we're working on doing self-development in a way that's fun. That's cool. But I still just like feel like, what is it? Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And that's like, for me, if anyone that knows me knows, like I'm such a why question asker all the time. I'm always like, okay, but why? But why? But why? <laughs> like a little kid. So I was just asking myself constantly, like, why am I doing this? And then when George Floyd was killed and, you know, this outrage erupted, I felt really like stunned in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting to. And I say that because I'm a black woman, I'm mixed, but I identify as black. And I kind of have been in a way like shut down to all things race relations. Like I've just been like, yeah, of course it's bad. That's kind of been my attitude, but I haven't ever really done anything. Like I haven't really ever advocated. I haven't really done the studying that I knew I should do. And I think I just had a lot of my own internalized wounds that I just didn't want to open up. and when George Floyd was killed, that kind of all came pushing down around me. And I was like, I have to face this. It has to happen. And so I kind of made this vow to myself where I was like, I'm just going to study something every day. And like, that's what I know how to do best. I am a born researcher. I love learning. So think the thing that I can do is study and learn something and then just share what I've learned with someone else. And so I sent like a super simple email to my newsletter list just saying like, you know, I have work to do and I'm sure other people have work to do. If you guys want to do it together, here's what my plan is to, to study something every day and share it. And, you know, much to my surprise, much, much, much to my surprise, uh, so many people responded to that and so many people wanted in and sent me these really long emails about their relationships with race and how they were feeling. And I realized like, we all just wanted a space to connect with each other and to learn. So Outer Work was born literally overnight, completely on accident. And I started it as just calling it the anti-racism practice group. It was, it was actually Interplay's anti-racism practice group. And in talking with my community manager, Tessa, I was like telling her about this idea. And I was like, you know, it's actually kind of amazing because I'm realizing that, you know, you, you do this collective change work, like anti-racism work. And that's why you need the interplay. That's the why that I've been searching for is you do the interplay so that you can sustain yourself to continue doing the outer work. And so that's when I decided I was like, okay, so this is like a separate thing. This is outer work now. And then this is interplay over here. And now I understand how the two are like gears basically that propel one another. And so I ended up 
kind of in a flash, like within literally within the last month, rebranding everything and rebuilding everything so that it's all operating in Mighty Networks, like you mentioned. I'm obsessed with Mighty Networks. This is not an ad for Mighty Networks, but <laughs> I'm like so into them. I put both platforms on Mighty Networks and I realized in doing that, like the way that Mighty Networks works is that it's a social network for a topic. And so I realized like that was the real, that was the perfect vessel for my work because I wanted the anti-racism group to be this education network where we could learn and study, but also connect with one another. And so we created forums in there about how to talk about race with people, feelings that you might be going through as you're doing this work. Like there's a forum for you to discuss that and encouraging people to chat one-on-one if they can help each other, that kind of thing. Um, and then interplay is the same thing. So it's, it's also an education network, but it's just around personal growth. And on that platform, I think of it as like a self-development summer camp is what I call it. And so there's different people that will come in who are going to be like camp counselors, so to speak, who will be different practitioners who do different healing modalities, um, but also people who are going to teach DIY workshops and just kind of share their wisdom with each other. And the members do that too. And we all just kind of are sharing what works for us, the practices that we're, um, that we're practicing and the lessons that we're learning and help each other's growth along. So that is what I mean by an education network. And that was my very long-winded explanation of the platforms. No, that was so cool. And I, I anticipated that because they do fit so well together that I could very easily have thought that you always knew you were going to do this going in. But I think it's actually more magical knowing that how they fit together so perfectly. And I loved everything that you shared. And I saw this video, you maybe saw it too, by Erica Chitty, where she talks about Mm -hmm. how self-care and doing our anti-racism work must be a parallel process or it's Mm -hmm. going to be a burn and a bust. And I feel like that was such a powerful video for me when that came out because she mentioned shame and she mentioned that for many of us, you will be in constant contact with your shame as we do this anti-racism work. And to make it sustainable, you will need to have a mental health plan in conjunction with that. And I just, I just really love your work and thank you for sharing the impetus of that. Yeah. Yes. And I did see that video and I totally agree. Um, I feel like a lot of people who are in the, in the wellness space are recognizing that, that the two have to go hand in hand for exactly the reasons you explained, you know, we can't just, you know, we're already seeing it happen, you know, like our social, my social media feed is, is returning back to normal and a lot, not, of course, not the whole thing, but in a lot of ways it is. And I think it is because people get really outraged and then they kind of boom and bust and Mm -hmm. That's just like not how this works. You know, we have to be able to realize that it's going to take a lifetime for these changes to occur. And we probably won't see the changes we're looking for in our lifetimes. But that doesn't mean that we, that we just give up. We have to continue fighting. Um, but we have to do it in a way that's sustainable for us too. Yeah, I think you have a, a prompt in the, in the group one day, but you were asking us, how we can make wellness our own wellness practices more anti-racist. And so yeah. I would love your thoughts on, you know, either examples of that or from a systematic level from at the whole your thoughts on what would make wellness more anti-racist. Yes, absolutely. I have a lot of I have a lot of ideas for that. There's a lot of ways to go about it. I mean, 
at the root of it, you have to understand what it means to be anti-racist, I guess. And what that means is to actively support policies and people who are in support of liberating Black lives. And that doesn't mean, obviously, saving Black people. That's not a thing. Um, And it doesn't mean assimilating Black people into white culture. That's also harmful. And so I think when you think of it that way, there's a ton of things you can do. One is I believe in creating a wellness practice that's free. And that is like kind of the crux of Interplay too, is like, of course, Interplay is a paid platform, but I always say like, nobody needs Interplay. You can take my ideas and run with them all by yourself. And my ideas are very simple, which are just do the things that make you happy. If it's doodling at night for five minutes, that's self-care and that's taking care of yourself. That's wellness to me. If it's going for a really long walk, you know, it's just, it's anything that you can do that feels accessible to you that brings you joy. I don't think that we have to do this big whole kind of production of capitalistic wellness where we're like buying all these products all the time and touting them all over the internet, you know, thinking about, is this really accessible to everyone? And is it really necessary? I think that's a really great first step. And I also think another one is, you know, I've had people in the group say that they've really benefited from therapy. So they've decided to set up a donation to organizations that support therapy for Black people as a kind of counterbalance to their their own support for themselves. That's a really great way to do that. There's lots of things that you can do if you're in a position where you're able to control the pricing of something that's wellness related. Consider creating an option that's exclusively for BIPOC. That's a cheaper option for them that represents, you know, knowledge about the racial wealth gap. There's tons of different ways to integrate it. And I think we'll continue to learn them as we continue to learn more about racism and how it presents itself. And also, and as we continue to learn more about anti-racism, we'll continue to find new ways to be more equitable in all spaces beyond wellness too. You mentioned too somewhere, I think in the practice group actually, that internalized racism brought you to wellness in the first place. Could you Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is from the piece that I wrote yesterday. Gosh, where to start? So basically, you know, like I said, I wanted a way to find wellness that was more fun and less serious. Um, And so to back up from that a little bit, you have to kind of know a little bit about my wellness journey, which is that I ended up kind of becoming part of the wellness world because after college, I was severely burned out. I was depressed and I was anxious and I had panic disorder. I was just kind of like a, like a nervous system mess. Like I just, my nervous system was shot and I was really struggling after I graduated school and had moved home. I like, I lost 30 pounds in like a month just because I was so anxious all the time. I couldn't, I couldn't eat anything. So I was not in a good place and I started doing a bunch of different stuff. Like I was going to acupuncture really regularly, something I still do. And I was doing tarot cards more. And I was, you know, I started doing Reiki. I started doing just like all kinds of things, pretty much anything you can think of that's like alternative holistic wellness. I tried it and I kind of got more burned out because I was like so stressed all the time. Like that feeling of, okay, well, is it like, you know, am I feeling anxious today because I didn't, you know, I didn't exercise for an hour or is it because like I ate this sugar or is it because I did this thing or this thing? And it was like this constant cycle of trying to get to the root of my anxiety was giving me more anxiety and it was really hard. And 
I finally went to this practitioner, this Ayurvedic practitioner when I was 25. So like it had been a few years of this. And I, she said to me, you know, she was like, you're 25, like just have fun, you know, spend 30 minutes a day, just like dancing or watching a show that you like, or, you know, going for a walk and like going window shopping, like whatever it is that like makes you happy, that brings you some sort of joy, just prioritize doing that. And I realized I had a lot of internal resistance to that. I didn't know how to relax and have fun. Like that felt really foreign to me. And over the last couple of years, I've started to unpack why that felt so foreign to me. And what I've realized is that as kind of the, I'm the lightest skinned person in my family. And I was a smart kid, quote unquote, from a very young age And I was kind of forced down this path of like traditional academic success that no one else in my family had been forced down. My older siblings don't have, my oldest brother doesn't have a college degree. My brother below him went to like a a trade school for technology. So it wasn't like the norm in my family whatsoever to go to like a private four-year university, but I was very much forced down that path. And I went to a really intense, I loved my high school, but it was a very intense very privileged, very elite high school. So I kind of was pushed on that path and I loved it. But at the end of it, I felt so burned out because I felt like I had all this pressure on me of my whole family kind of investing literally money, but also like they're kind of investing their hopes and dreams into me. It was like all of the pressure was on me. And so I realized like, now that that was in a lot of ways a form of internalized racism where it was like I had to be the golden egg because I was the like light-skinned child with the most hope and I was always told I had the most opportunity and that pressure really broke me in a lot of ways and I felt like if I didn't go down that traditional path and this is something I still struggle with it's like if I don't go down that traditional path you know am I letting down my ancestors? Am I letting down my parents? But am I letting down the generations before them who've struggled so much so that I could be here? Um, and that is like a pressure that's very intense and very hard to to wade through. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like a lot of the, in so many respects, so much of your background and history and childhood and everything you just shared so challenging, but also has set you up so perfectly to be doing the really important work that you're doing now. Yeah, totally. That's the thing. It's like, it's this funny, like double-edged sword where school kind of burned me out and stressed me out. But it's also the thing that ended up saving me because I realized how much of my identity is tied to education and to learning. But I kind of now I'm finding a way to make that work for me. Whereas before it felt like this drive to critically think about things was hurting me because instead of having, you know, a research paper to critically think about once I graduated school, all there was to think about was myself and all of that critical attention turned on myself was really dangerous for me and created a lot of anxiety. But now I'm learning to apply it to things that I really care about and sharing it with others. And that has been the total difference for me. Yeah. I think I heard you say on I, I listened to you on so many podcasts today. I don't know which one it was, but I think it was our friend Alex. And you were saying how you and your boyfriend were taking Italian, I think, and you were mm-hmm. l- going back to loving school. And yeah. I, I 
I love that I can relate to that feeling and that I love what you said about the anti-racism practice group of like the accountability to teach is to learn and you're, you know, you made this commitment and then you're, you're learning it. And I feel like that background that you just described gives you so much for the way that you're laying out the group, which is really cool. Yeah. I know. I'm such a nerd. I loved, I love that Italian class just because I got to like whip out a notebook and some pens. <laughs> oh my God. School supply shopping. The best. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love your approach to starting with what makes you happy and not jumping through all of the shoulds, but rather falling into it through hobbies and communities. Mm -hmm. And that's always been the case for me. Like the best results with my personal growth and spiritual growth, like getting into those things young out of necessity, I very much from a different perspective, but was so disciplined and rigid about things that it was actually counterproductive. Mm -hmm. And every time I felt my best, I've let go of the reins and been more flexible. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about your experience with that and how the best results are going? I think I've heard you speak about this before, going straight to the happy rather than the other things. Yeah, totally. So my whole thing is like, the one layover from me being well in this world is that I did get my Reiki certification. And so energy work has been a really big central theme through everything I do. If anything, I believe that everything is, is energy, right? And everything has an energy. And all we're really doing when we try to work on ourselves, quote unquote, is we're trying to amplify that energy in some way. We're trying to clear it or we're trying to maximize it or we're trying to align it with something. And for me, the ultimate is aligning it with joy. If I can be joyful every day, that makes me feel like that's what true wellness is. And if I can even find it for five minutes, that's like, I feel good every day. And I think that a lot of the times we try to do XYZ thing to get to joy, but instead we should just start with what we know brings us joy and just go straight there. Um, and those things are usually way more simple than we think that they are. It's not necessarily always about doing some elaborate ritual, which I love rituals and those are great, but maybe it's just calling a friend and having a laugh or it's watching a dumb, funny movie, or it's, you know, just sitting around and like looking through cool art books, whatever it is, like something that can spark a little bit of that joy in you. I think that when you can find those things and you can have them handy, like you know what they are and you can turn to them and do them every day, that aligns your energy with joy immediately. And over time, that alignment just grows and grows and magnifies and you just start to live in more of a space of joy. I love that. And that's like always what I, at the end, I, I always have people recommend things and I call like having this, my instant, like sometimes in those low moments, I don't know what to turn to. So mm -hmm. I just need to have it at the ready and a list for myself and so mm -hmm. many recommendations from other people because I don't know if you've ever listened to like Abraham Hicks or like the, yeah. their whole thing is like get in the vortex, right? Like that's the mm -hmm. feel. If you can just feel good and align yourself to feeling good, everything else kind of falls into place. But usually, in, or in my case, I've been like, well, I have to do A, B, and C, and D to feel good. But I love what you say of like, just start there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the most accessible thing we can do. 
because it's going to look different for everyone. And that's the point. Like you're supposed to find the thing that really speaks to you. Like for me lately, it's just been playing board games. It's like a very simple thing, but I play so many board games and like my boyfriend and I will just like play dominoes at lunch sometimes like in the middle of the day. And it's just really fun. And it's just like a simple way to like kind of break out of the routine and be like, okay, I'm just going to give myself this little bit of fun right now. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. The vortex. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've like always talked about in this show of like, it, this show started off being really wellness focused. And <laughs> I've now, you know, this is going to be the 300th and some episode. And I realized that, you know, I talk to actors and comedians as much as I talk to yoga teachers and Reiki people because mm-hmm. wellness isn't just green juice and yoga. It's all these other things. And it's playing board games at lunch, you know, and that is yeah. wellness. And that's, you know, what's taken me a decade to kind of learn, but it's always the simple things, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole ethos of interplay. It's like, it, yeah, sure. It's Reiki and it's breath work and it's Qigong, but it's also learning to crochet or, you know, like making a zine or a nail yeah. art or whatever you want it to be that's the whole point is I just want to give people like, I just want to give people tools. Like I want people to try new things. I feel like that's something that gets really lost today is people don't have hobbies and they don't know how to start hobbies. It feels like every hobby has to turn into some sort of lucrative side hustle. So they don't start anything. And I think that that's really something that we need is just have more like little things we can just pick up and, and occupy ourselves with throughout the day. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yes. I love all of that so much. I feel like it's, yeah, it's just so aligned of like, that's why all of my stuff is called Let It Out because there's all these outside things, but ultimately like the most effective solution is probably just stopping and pausing and listening and then letting it out. You know, like it never seems like the obvious solution, but it's always the most obvious solution. Totally. Yes. Um. In one of your Instagram TV videos, which I told you I did a binge last night watching them preparing for this, and it was a delight. Um, (laughs) But there's one of these that... And I had I've seen a lot of them like years ago, but I think I had just missed a bunch. And so it was... I rewatched some and a lot of them were new to me. And Mm -hmm. it was really cool. But there's this one that you, you give a lot of exercises about energetics. And I know for everyone listening, like definitely join Interplay because I know there's even more there, but yeah. but there's a lot of really good ones. You know, people can start right now. I'm going to link to this one particular video that I had a really intense trigger yesterday. And mm-hmm. I happened to watch this video that was so simple and it was, it was really cool. And I was wondering if you could share that up that exercise but the trigger in particular for me was like really about regret which is maybe like an anxiety Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and like wishing I had said a different thing and wanting to go back and feeling embarrassed and whatever so I was wondering if you like if that is the energetic exercise you would recommend or if there's another what else you Mm -hmm. would say to that emotion of regret or you know feeling ashamed or silly or like you don't fit in can I ask more questions about that experience so I can get to a, okay, cool. So was it something that felt like you had regret about it because um, you were wanting a different outcome or was it because maybe you 
are embarrassed about like a way you handled something with someone else? I think it maybe a little bit of both, but it was like, I mean, I'll tell you like the specifics. Basically, like okay. I I sent a text to like two two people and I was like two people that I'm not like very close with, but I was like wanting to be close with. So I sent like a funny gif and like a, a joke to like this. We were, we were like talking about like a logistical thing, but I like wanted to, to like be part of the group. So I sent yeah. like a, a joke that was not funny <laughs> and yeah. then a gif that was, was really like inserting myself, like see me, I, I want to be part mm-hmm. of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then was met with nothing. And then I instantly was like, why did I do that? Like, what yeah. was that? <laughs> okay, I see. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, and then I, mean, I did your exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one is a good one because it's like that one's good for like diffusing the overwhelm in a way. Like, that's one I turn. I'll just should I just explain it? Oh yes, please. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. So, I'll also link to it. I, but yes, yeah, that'd be good. And then I'll and then I'll answer your question. Okay, too. great. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> So the one that you're talking about is the frontal lobe hold. And that one is amazing because it's basically like when your mind starts going nuts and you're like overwhelmed. I use it a lot when I get really emotional about something and I need to like calm down and like think through it. Um, So essentially all you do is just take your fingers and put them on the like protrusions on your forehead. So where your forehead sticks out the most on the side, like kind of front sides. And um, you hold it there and put your thumbs on your temples And you just hold that for a couple of minutes while you kind of let yourself feel what you're feeling. Um, And the way that it works is that it basically draws the blood to the front of your brain where it can kind of more rationally process things because when you're not able to rationally process, your blood is in a different part of your brain that is like um, fight or flight mode. So bringing the blood to the front really helps you to kind of calm down and just get more centered and grounded. So that's a really great one for diffusing the overwhelm. And I would say like, what would be helpful for you might be to do something else. Like I'm trying to think, excuse me. It sounds like kind of the, the feeling that you're feeling is like wanting to, wanting to like be a part of a group of people. Like you're kind of looking for belonging, looking for approval in a way and looking for acceptance, which is totally valid and makes complete sense. Like we all want that. But I think like, it's important to take a deeper look at, maybe where those feelings are coming from. Like, why are you feeling like the need to find approval? Why are you feeling the need to feel like you need to belong somewhere? Like, is there, you know what I'm saying? Like you kind of totally. want to look a little bit deeper at it and just, and just think about like, where, where is that trigger coming from? Like, where is that, where's the wound lie? I think that's super helpful. And that's just like a simple, you know, journaling thing. You know that it's like a simple way to just process yeah through that would be to just journal it out. Like, why am I feeling like I need to do that? And is that really a habit that's serving me? And yeah, so for something like that, I think I always think the best thing to do is to like do exactly the exercise you did. So diffuse that energy. And then another thing you can do is like get up and move for a little while, like whether it's like a vigorous walk or like a dance moment, like something that's going to get your blood pumping. And then just sit with yourself. This is a thing I call deep listening. So I move and I move and I move. I make everyone do it all the time. And then I sit with myself and feel that energy going through me. And I listen to the energy to give me the answer. So rather than trying to think through the question of, of where is my wound? Where, why am I feeling this need? I just try to sit with myself and listen. And oftentimes when you do that, like a memory will get 
triggered for you or something will pop up that will make you go, oh, I see where that connection lies. Um, And so that's something that I do that's really helpful. So maybe try that. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's also helpful. I also wish you had an um, energetic time machine. I could just go back and take yeah. away the embarrassing gift, but know. you know what? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And like, the thing is, is like, that's like part of who you are in a way, you know, yeah, and that's okay. it's like, dorky. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay to like have a dorky moment or like say something that's not quite right for the, for the moment that you're, <laughs> there's no reason to like beat yourself up about that. Like people who like get it, we'll get it. And people who won't, won't, but that doesn't mean you should feel bad. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, yeah. I sent it like this goofy new girl. It was just bad. Yeah. It was very bad. <laughs> um, oh man. All right. Well, another, <laughs> I'm just like laughing. I wasn't expecting to like make this a therapy session, but yeah, thank right. you so much. Sometimes I, I go there. Sorry. Uh, no, no. I, oh my God. I mean, I loved it. Really scratching itch. I just like making yeah. sure you're okay. No, I'm um, fine. I can do it all day. <laughs> great, 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 great. Um, yeah, no, it's just so funny. Okay. So there's this other video of yours that I went yeah. in my deep dive that I really loved. You talk about spiritual privilege, which is something I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. a lot. And I was hoping that you could talk about that and define that. And I'm pretty sure you were at, I think we might, I think you like John Mayer. Yes. Is that correct? That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel the need to share with you. I had an AIM screen name called John Mayer girl at one point. Oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's so funny. Cause I was like, probably I would have totally judged you in the time because I was uh-huh not a John Mayer stan until I turned like 26. So (laughs) I'm very late to the game, but I respect your early standum. I think I like my cousins liked him and I thought it was cool. And it was like my private, oh, very embarrassing. Oh, anyway, (laughs) you were at a John Mayer concert and you had, you, you talk about spiritual privilege and it really was so, I loved what you said. So I was wondering if you could talk about that a bit. Yes. So backstory is, it was actually, it was a Grateful Dead concert, mm-hmm. but John Mayer performs with the Grateful Dead now. And I was obsessed with John Mayer. I still am, but this was like right at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And we had actually just moved to Santa Cruz and this was like our first thing we were doing. And so we went to, we went to go see the Grateful Dead with John Mayer. And there was line that like, I kid you not, was legendary line like bull like it was like trending on twitter this line it was ridiculous because basically the venue just wasn't processing people fast enough it was a whole thing anyway we are in line for like i want to say three hours like some ridiculous amount of time and while standing there we kind of watched everyone around us like melt down and in the moment i was like oh my god people need to get over it like we're just in this line and like that's how it is. And we just need to move on and like rise above it, like total spiritual bypassing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, we just need to, you know, love and light our way to the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, afterwards I had this realization where I was like, you know what? Like people traveled so far to come to this concert. People spent so much money on tickets. And like, who am I to say like what they're allowed to be upset about? And who am I to like decide that like, you know, they, they're supposed to just get over it. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what this concert means to them. I don't, you know, I don't know any of that. And of course, this is like a microcosmic example of the ways that, that we do this a lot is that we try to put our 
we try to put our spiritual leanings onto other people and say, well, you should, you should be like me basically is what I was doing. You should be like me and just get over it and just be grateful that you're here, which is really not fair. Um, and so that's what I was talking about in that video. And it's just interesting you bring it up because I haven't thought about that in so long, but of course it like plays so much into our current climate and, you know, so yeah, many exactly. people just wanting to bypass um, and wanting to bypass hard feelings and, and telling people that they just need to get over it or that they, not even that. I feel like it's like people are just telling everyone, like we all are important and we all unity and that kind of thing. And you basically telling black people that they don't have a right to be upset about the things they're upset about, which is complete bullshit and completely unfair for that exact reason. Like not everyone has the privilege of, of being able to get to that spiritual bypass state because their lives are on the line. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's the whole deal with spiritual privilege. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly why I, I wanted to bring that video up because again, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and it felt really timely, even though that video is pretty old. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, thank you for explaining that that way. And it's interesting the the parallel that you just made. And yeah, I'll link to that video because I think it would be interesting for people to watch again now. Also can't imagine lines. <laughs> like thinking about yeah. lines now feels crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I was like standing next to this. It was funny. In hindsight, I'm like, of course I've, I've developed this, you know, ability to be empathetic with everyone, like I just said, but there was this like these two guys in line in front of us and we were just like, my boyfriend and I were cracking up because they literally complained about the line for every bit of the three hours we were in it. And we were just laughing because we were like, how do you even like come up with enough things to say about yeah. the line <laughs> for that long, you know? Oh my God. Totally. Amazing to witness. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like at the beginning of COVID, like hearing, I, I really got burnt out on covid annoyance talk like obviously yeah. there's so much heaviness with it and I totally feel mm-hmm. that but a lot of what you were saying at the beginning of like collectively I feel the heaviness and the pain of course but mm-hmm. personally feeling the jarringness at first but then kind of finding my footing and finding a bit of gratitude in the solitude and took me a minute and I still go in and out of it of course right. but just hearing people talk about the annoyance of it kind of probably felt uh, what I'm imagining being in that line felt like Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it just really boils down to like you just can't tell other people how to feel. Everyone processes everything differently, and it's just not fair to really go there. I feel like trying to convince someone to feel good about something that's hard for them is like the same thing as like trying to tell people that yeah, racism sucks, but you gotta you gotta deal with it. Like it's you know what I mean. It's like that same. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's same thing. It's just trying to tell people how to feel about something that's affecting them and not affecting you. And that's just so unfair. Yeah, completely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So this is a bit of a, a pivot from, from what we're talking about, but yeah. I love your aesthetic. And oh, wait, before I ask you this, actually, this I lost my train of thought before, but when we were talking, when you were articulating about the line and the connection to this, you have this quote that I love so much that was on, and it made me think of it when I was talking about aesthetics because you designed Mm -hmm. it so beautifully. You say, 
and I'll, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but basically like your discomfort is not important than human lives. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I just really loved that so much. And I think that that really speaks to, you know, this spiritual privilege that we were talking about. Yeah. So that came out of that first email that I sent when I was like, okay, everyone, I'm going to learn about race. Who wants to join me? It was basically called to action that was like, you know, the, the quote is your discomfort being a beginner is not yes. as important as you lives. Yeah. And it was basically this, like, it was kind of like a mantra for myself that I translated to everyone else, but it was like, yes, I'm uncomfortable beginning this work. And yes, I know I'm going to mess up and I'm going to have to get called out and I'm going to have to apologize. I know that's going to happen at some point. And I have to face that if I really want to make a difference because like that is not nearly as important as people being killed. It's just not. And so that was kind of my own mantra that I shared. But yeah, I mean, that has continued to be the mantra of the group, of the anti-racism group of outer work. And I think it is, I think it is just like a really important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to highlight and underline and underscore and bold and italic that line. (laughs) Um, And it was really beautiful. It's a green and checkered on your site. I'll I'll reshare it, but that's what made me think of it with the other thing I was going to ask you, which is about aesthetics and beautiful things. And Mm -hmm. you seem to have just such a great eye and that space seems really important to you. And one of my favorite videos of yours is about manifesting where you're living now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as I was telling you, I'm, I'm moving currently. And what really struck me about that video and that one I had seen, like when you posted it, I remembered, but I rewatched it and totally saw it in a new way today. And you said that you visualized seeing yourself in something like the space that you're in long before you moved there. And like Mm -hmm. I said, moving and trying to find a place myself, I'm having trouble like actually believing it or seeing it. Can you talk about that process and that visualizing process if you can't, what helps you to see it or does that come naturally for you? This is part of my morning energy routine that I mentioned earlier. So I do this morning energy routine. I won't get into it too much, but it's in my program, which is available in the Interplay membership. And it's a, it's a series of exercises that basically are meant to kind of, one, wake me up in the morning because I'm very groggy. And also to um, just help me kind of refine my intention for the day. I just find that like if I add movement to things, it really helps it stick in my energy sphere a lot better than if I just sit and like meditate on it. Mm-hmm. So I do this um, exercise every morning where I'll basically envision something. So it, it's either what I kind of want for my next phase of life, or it's what I want that day to look like. It kind of just depends. Like sometimes I realize like, oh, I'm kind of in a rut. I think I need to call in like a new phase for myself. And so then I'll meditate on that every morning with my energy exercises. So that's kind of what I had been doing when we lived in LA and long before this house even became a possibility was I just really like felt like I needed a new lifestyle LA lifestyle just wasn't suiting me anymore. Um, It wasn't, it just wasn't what I needed. And who knows, like I could return there, but in this moment, it was like, it was just not what I wanted. And so I started doing these exercises and part of it was like, I would envision like what I want my space to feel like. And I, I think it's really important when you're like manifesting something to think about what it, like how you want to feel. So if it's a relationship, like how do you want to feel in a relationship? Or if it's literally a physical space, how does that, how do you want that space to make you feel? And so 
that's what I would do every day. And the story of my house is like a crazy story, which I can share quickly if you, if you like, but yeah, of course. um, And I'll link to the video too. Yeah. But basically we live in a house that my boyfriend's dad bought in the seventies, I believe. So yeah. So super long time ago. And it's just crazy to think because of course, you know, when he bought that house, no idea we'd be living here one day. (laughs) Um, But he bought this house when he was really young, like a little bit younger than we are and has rented it out forever. And essentially the timing just ended up being perfect. We were here in Santa Cruz on a vacation and in 20, that was in 2017, 2018, 2018, we were here on a vacation and we were like, you know, maybe this is what we're calling in. Like maybe this is the space that we could really blossom and we just started talking about it. We were literally here for like four days and we were like, yeah, I think we should just move here. Like we were like, I think we should just do it. And we had this kind of, and this is not really like us. Like we're more, we do think through things a lot more than that normally. So it was kind of like this weird aha moment. And we mentioned it to his parents and his dad was like, if you guys are serious, like I will be happy to renovate this house and have you live in it because it had, hadn't been touched since it was built in the sixties and it needed updating anyway. And so, yeah, that's what happened. And so we ended up getting to move into our house. We had to wait about a year for all of the construction, but we ended up getting to move in and to help the design process, which is some, and that's, yeah, it just kind of became this magical moment. And in the video, I talk about how, like, I obviously recognize the immense privilege that there is in being able to have space, but I also recognize that, like, I don't come from monetary privilege whatsoever. I don't come from any sort of privilege. And it's kind of crazy to me that in a lot of ways, I feel like I did call this house in and it kind of just happened for me. And I don't think that it's just pure luck of the draw. I do think it's because I've followed my heart in a lot of situations and followed my intuition and really leaned into what I thought was possible, even when there was really no blueprint for it being possible. Like there's no way that I would ever be able to buy a house like this, but it still happened for me. And I think that's that's really a testament to the power of being able to really like push your energy to a limit in a sense, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It totally does. And I, I love that. I, yeah. I really want to work that process because it's, yeah, that's really inspiring. Yeah. And I mean, it's complicated, like totally transparent. Like I have a lot of I have a lot of mixed feelings about manifestation because of privilege. And the truth of the matter is, is that my boyfriend does have a lot of privilege. And there's a lot to be said for the fact that like I'm dating him and therefore I now have access to his privilege in a way. So I don't, I also don't want to make it seem like this is possible for everyone and it doesn't matter what your background is. Like, unfortunately that really isn't the case. I don't believe. And I just want to acknowledge that because I don't want to make it seem like I'm like, Oh yeah, of course, like anyone can, you know, have access to this when in reality, it's like, uh, it was a long chain of series of events that yes, I do believe I called in, in a sense, like I do believe I called in my partner and I do believe we called in this home and et cetera. But there's also certain access that I've been given based on the privileges that I do have in my life. Right. So mm-hmm. it's tricky. And I'm just saying that in all of its kind of rawness, because I don't have an answer really. I don't really have a way to wrap that up neatly, but I think it's important. It's an important conversation to have. And it's something that I want to understand better. That makes sense too. 
I heard you yeah. speak with our our other mutual friend Emily about mm-hmm. prayer as meditation. Can you talk about your practice and your process with that? And do you have a prayer practice now? And just you know, we always talk about on the show spirituality and where you are with that and what happens when we die and that big question. Yeah. So with prayer, I mean, I think of prayer, I guess, is just like a conversation between me and whatever's out there. <laughs> I don't ascribe to a religion that's extremely spiritual. And I definitely believe that there are forces that are supporting me. That's like my rock in the world is having that belief. I believe it. What else can I say? <laughs> um, so I do try to have kind of prayer meditation really often. And I guess what I mean by that is like, I talk to the spirits that guide me. Um, last night I was kind of in conversation with my great grandfather's spirit, who is someone that I, he died when I was five years old, but I've always felt like this very intense presence from him in my life and felt very protected by him in some way that I can't fully explain. So sometimes I'll just turn to him or to my deceased uncle, also with someone that I'm close to, and I just talk to them and ask them to protect me. And that's kind of my process is I just try to express a lot of gratitude and I try to also express like what I really feel like I need. And I've noticed too that like the more I do it, the easier and the more I feel like the words just come to me more naturally. And I guess like spirituality, my spirituality really lies in, I guess, honoring my highest self, honoring the universe or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes I call it God. Sometimes I call it the universe. Sometimes it's my intuition. I think they're all kind of one and the same, like whatever this power is that exists outside of me that supports me. And I just try to honor it as much as I can. And I guess what that means is I just... Like I say, I turn to it and I ask questions and I express my gratitude for it. And I just try to respect its presence so that when I get an idea out of the blue, I try to honor that and recognize that that's a gift to me from the universe and that I have to honor it and I shouldn't waste my time questioning it. But instead, I just have to respect that I've been been given that access because I think a lot of times we dull ourselves to that access and I feel grateful that I've opened my vessel, I guess, to that access. And I just want to honor and respect that as much as I can. Mm, yeah. No, I, I wanted to talk about creativity with you actually yeah, as well, because I know it's a huge part of your work and mm-hmm. it's the main part of my work as well. I, I made this group called Creative Underdogs. And mm. the whole concept of that is like, you know, it came out of me giving this talk at a podcasting festival when the person speaking before me had started their podcast way after me, what was like hugely successful and like on another level. And I was just kind of like, what am I going to talk about? And I just leaned into that. And so I called it creative underdog. And the whole point was that like, I do creativity because in all these different ways, because it feeds me, because I have to, and sharing it is, is part of that. And I think that's so aligned with your perspective on it. And so I'm curious, you're greatest lesson on on creativity and when you feel most creative and all mm. of this to say you were talking with with Emily when I listened to you on on that today and and I related so deeply to something you both were talking about which was like the release of a big project and getting kind of addicted to that high of like mm-hmm. making a zine or a book or a course mm-hmm. or an event or whatever and it's that sustainable 
moderation when it comes to creativity. So anyway, I just was wondering if, yeah, riff on creativity, your greatest lessons and where you are with it today, I guess. Yeah. So much of what I've learned about creativity came from the artist's way by Julia King. Yes. Yes. It's like the super informed my work as well. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like if anyone out there is listening, has, has read that, like a lot of what I'll say picks up a lot on, on what she's written about. And whew, yeah, creativity is a big one for me because again, kind of going back to that burnout of school that I talked about earlier, like being bred kind of for more of like a corporate career. I did creative things in high school. Like I did photo and I was really into it and I developed my own film and I was like really into that. But I never thought that like creativity would be a career and never once really dreamed of it that way. And so I, you know, at the end of college, like really opted for, I thought I was going to go into marketing because I was like, that's somewhat creative and also like uses my research brain. And so that's what I'm going to do. That didn't last whatsoever. But (laughs) coming back around to creativity, I realized I had a lot of wounds and triggers around it just from feeling like if I was going to be creative, there had to be an output. There had to be a reason that I was going to be creative or else it wasn't worth doing. And that has been something that I've really had to retrain myself on and still struggle to retrain myself on. But what I've really realized, and I guess my greatest lesson about creativity in in practicing that, in just practicing being creative for the sake of being creative, you know, my biggest lesson has been that um, obviously one, we're all creative. And it's not a matter of like, I'm more creative than you or you're more creative than me. It's just a matter of maybe my vessel is more open in a way. And what I mean by that is like, creativity is not something we do. It's like something that happens to us. You show up and you sit down to do the thing you're going to do and you open your vessel and you kind of let the universe pour through you what needs to pour through you. And I think the more open you can be, the better. I think I wrote something once that said something along the lines of like creativity isn't about dreaming something up. It's more about, I was going to say it's about getting something down, but I realized that's from the artist way. I did not write that. (laughs) But the thing I'm thinking is like, I think I wrote something along the lines of, you know, creativity is about getting out of your own way. Essentially. It's about taking the ideas that are dropped into you from the universe and staying out of the way of them. And I think that's been my biggest lesson is like, when it's time for me to sit down and write something, like how can I just let it come out of me knowing that it's not even really me that's doing the work. I'm just the, I'm just the translator. And that having that attitude and that perspective has really helped me to be able to create more sustainably for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let it out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I, there's another thing you wrote where you talked about why stability is important for flexibility. And I think I was kind of mentioning that earlier of like how my tendency towards rigidity in wellness was so so counterproductive. And I think Mm -hmm. that relates to creativity as well. Could you talk about that distinction? Yeah. So I did a little video about that, about how stability creates flow or something like that, I said. But essentially the idea for me was like, I'm a Pisces and I'm like a quintessential Pisces. I very much like flow with life. I just let things happen. I kind of am one with the current in a way. And that's really great, but it also leaves me feeling very scattered sometimes. And what I kind of one of my biggest lessons over the past year even is that I have to create some 
form of structure for myself that I can flow within. And having that structure really, really helps me a lot. And a great example of that is actually the outer work group. Like I've made a commitment to post something every day and to post a lesson in there every single day. But that is the structure. But then I get so much flow within that because I can post about whatever I want. But knowing that I'm going to do that every single day and that people are relying on me to do that every single day is the exact structure that I need to make sure I show up and then you know have the moment to let it out and to let that creativity flow. But there's tons of other examples of that in my life that I've realized I've, I've created now where even if it's like being on a regular eating schedule, might, which might seem simple, but for someone like me who can be scattered, it's kind of actually really hard. But when I eat regularly, then I know that like, my needs are taken care of and then I can kind of flow through my day and just creating these like little bits of structure really helps me a lot with my flexibility. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if you remember this, but I feel like I, I was about to leave my job and you were navigating leaving your job as well. I think when we were talking and we really connected over this because I, have you read Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic? I haven't read it yet. No, but I have it. I think you would really like it because it's about a lot of these concepts, but she Mm -hmm. talks about this. She talks about how she didn't leave her full-time job until Eat, Pray, Love was like this massive success. Wow. She didn't want to have to put the pressure on her creative work to support Mm -hmm. her financially. And I always really related to that and understood that someone who did a lot of things at the same time as having a full-time job, I think... You know, it was that like having my needs met financially allowed for the looseness and the in the creativity. And I actually think I was like more productive and creative when I had a full time job and did stuff on the side than I've yeah. been. You know, without mm-hmm. like you, totally. you kind of just make it work. And yeah, it, it's it's interesting. But I yeah, I, I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah, so, I relate to that a lot too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious to hear what you think of the book because I think you'd, yeah, I think you'd be into it. Yeah, I'm Um, sure I would. You've mentioned your boyfriend and I, you know, seen you talk about him on the internet. Mm -hmm. You guys seem to have just this really cool relationship. Um, What's your greatest lesson on romantic relationships or any advice that you have? Oh, wow. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's a great question. We actually just had our five-year anniversary yesterday. Cool. Congrats. Are you guys celebrating? We're going to celebrate this weekend. I don't Fun. know what we're going to do, but we might, you know, drive into Oakland or San Francisco and literally just drive around <laughs> since we yeah. can't do anything. Cool. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, wow. There's been so many lessons. I mean, I really feel like relationship has been my greatest teacher. And also we met six weeks after school ended, after college ended for both of us. And so we were both like these raw little babies kind of like out of the college womb and (laughs) met each other at like what was arguably the craziest part of my life. That was like the height of my anxiety and depression. And it's kind of still blows my mind that we were able to form the relationship that we formed in that time. But I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is probably that partners are mirrors and they trigger you a lot (laughs) or they can, especially I think like for someone like me, like my parents are divorced since I was super young. I have no memory of my parents being together. And so I've never had that model and I've never known... Cameron's actually my first boyfriend, my first partner. So it's kind of like everything has been new and, you know, talk about the discomfort of being a beginner. Like I've 
gone through so much trying to figure out like what to do or how to feel or how to react to things. And it's been really draining. But what I've, the message that I keep coming back to and the thing we talk about all the time is like, it's never about the other person. It's always about yourself. And that's, that's the big lesson is like, Cameron is my mirror. So like any time that I feel upset with him, I have to really train myself to stop and go, okay, maybe, yeah, he did something and we can talk about what he did. But anything deeper than that is something that is coming from me. And like, how can I approach it and look at it and kind of not dissect it, but really like, again, like look at my wound, right. And figure out like, where is that coming from? And how can I heal that within myself before I project it onto another person? Um, so that's the thing we always say in our house is it's not about you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's my biggest lesson, I think. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's just like hitting me hard. Yeah, one, uh, it's hard. It's yep. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I love talking to you so much. I have so yeah. much more that I want to ask. Um, <laughs> can we do a couple of quick fire questions? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh my God, that's hard because my best friends were just visiting and we ate so much food. <laughs> mm, yeah, tell me a couple things then. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Um, Cameron made ribs that were insanely good. That was, that was wonderful. Also, there's a great vegetarian spot in town that we've gone to twice in the last week just for their chocolate soft serve. Oh (laughs) shit. That sounds good. It's so good. So I'd say those are my top two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Favorite part of your life right now? Oh, definitely interplay and outer work. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's my whole life and it's, it's just everything that I ever wanted right now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Is there a thing you're looking forward to outside of quarantine or that you miss? Oh, yeah. So many things. I mean, I haven't been to LA since Christmas, which is where I'm from and where my family is. Um, I've seen my brother and that's it. My brother and his family. Um, but I haven't seen my parents in seven months. So I'm definitely excited for that. I'm excited to see my family. Yeah. Yeah. So several years ago, you, I think this was, this was probably soon after we first connected or maybe it was a bit after, but you put this three-part video series out called Mm -hmm. how Instagram is keeping you from your calling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember where I was. I was in the back (laughs) of a cab in the East village. I had just gotten picked up and I like never took cabs. So I remember it perfectly, but I remember like, Oh cool. My, my new internet friend has put up a video, whatever I'll watch this cool title. (laughs) And I remember just being like, fuck, this is really good. It was like, it really hit me so hard. And I remember sharing it on my story and just being Mm -hmm. like, wow. I, I was really like, struck by it yeah um and i rewatched so it today and it was so good still um and really needed the reminder so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and just mostly like i'll link to those so an mm-hmm. update of like where you are with social media today because that was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago like what is your relationship to social media now oh thank you for asking that because i've really i have a diatribe that i just <laughs> I have like a whole rant that I just prepared. Great. Oh my God. I am so excited. This is like at the beginning when you were talking about interplay and outer work. I'm like, yes, exactly. Everyone stretch, everyone get up, do some, press your points, do some movement, get ready for this. You said that and my cat just got up off of the bed and did like a full like stretch. That was so cute. Oh my God. So cute. What's their name? 
Um, I have two cats and their names are Carrot and Potato. Oh, that's yeah. the best. I love <laughs> yeah. those names. Those are their shelter names. We just kept them, but they're so cute. I they're love really them. cute. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm ready for your rant. Okay. You have the mic. <laughs> okay. So I guess to start with that video, I mean, I kind of, I should rewatch those actually, because it probably has a lot to do with what I'm about to say. And I just haven't made the connection yet, but those videos came out of reading this amazing book called, oh gosh, what is it called? Oh my God. I don't remember. I should know. It was like, uh, something Cope, Stephen Cope, I think. Yeah, it was by Stephen Cope. That is true, but I can't remember the I name. I can't of it. remember either. I should know because I just watched it. Well, we'll link to it. I'll I'll yeah, find we'll it, it and link to it. Wow. Okay. Got to get it together with my memory. It's all right. <laughs> we have a lot going on. You're doing yeah. great. Okay. So anyway, so the videos were about the idea, basically, that like when we try to brand ourselves on Instagram, one, we try to like put ourselves into these little boxes, right? And we have to we try to like create a personal brand, which in and of itself is super limiting, and it's impossible because we're not limited beings. We're so expansive and we have so many elements to us. It's like impossible to convey it all in one image or even like thousands of images on Instagram. And trying to do that, I think, makes people go crazy. It, is, it definitely has made me go crazy. And yeah. that's, that's a big one. And a part of that too is that, you know, we also, when we do that, like we have to think about, again, why are we doing it? Like, why are we trying to sum ourselves up in these little boxes? And I think the reason we try to do it is because one, we want to kind of tame ourselves. We want to kind of find a way to make ourselves more understandable to ourselves. Like we're scaring ourselves in a way by being expansive. And that in and of itself is a problem. But also we try to essentially create a lifestyle brand out of who we are and we do that because we're trying to find fame in some way. And the concept of fame is really hard because it's that's not a real purpose in life. People achieve fame by doing their purpose, but fame in and of itself is not a purpose. And Instagram has made it feel like fame is a purpose. And I think that is like so troubling to me. Um, and it's just like, it really blows my mind and I've fallen into the trap so many times. So this is not a judgment on anyone, but I've definitely fallen into the trap where I see people who do similar work to me and they have more followers. And I think, well, I'll never be as famous as them. And so therefore what I do doesn't matter. Um, And that's where it gets like really dangerous because that then stops me from going after my purpose and from really sitting in my purpose and trying and just trying to connect with people that I can connect with. So that's my whole thing. And I mean, Part of this too, like part of my more recent kind of thinking around it since I've actually created everything on Mighty Networks is like, this is the kind of social network I want to see is a place where people are inviting other people to this group. And it's kind of becomes this grassroots thing, right? It's this new wave, I believe, of social networking where we are gathering around our shared interests rather than just like jumping into this endless void in Instagram that can really swallow us whole. So I don't know. That's, that's part of the rant. I mean, I could go on for days about social media and it's really hard, but to answer your question about like where I'm at with it, I've come to a place where I usually don't have the app on my phone. I don't have Instagram on my phone. Most of the time I download it maybe once every couple days to check my DMS and to post whatever I need to post but I really try to focus on like creating good work in interplay and in outer work. And 
sometimes I'll take like something that I've written that I felt like really resonated and I'll try to repackage it for Instagram just as a way to share a lesson that might not otherwise be accessible. But my intention around Instagram has really changed. And I was just talking to my community manager, Tessa, about this. Like I said to her, you know, we have to think about what our intentions are with Instagram. And for me, the intention is not for our platform to gain a bunch of followers. For me, the intention is to share nuggets of wisdom and and to add value um, to the platform rather than just talk about ourselves all the time. So that's where I'm at. That's my long-winded answer. Um, I love it. That's so useful because I've been through that whole arc where it's made me feel very crazy and the letting go, much like personal growth or or Mm -hmm. wellness, it's that just letting go and allowing and just being ourselves and just saying like, oh, maybe I sent the dorky gift, but it's okay. Maybe like, I'm just going to be who I am. And like, is this useful? Is this adding value? And like, for me, especially in the last month and even well before that, I've also just felt this big sense of like, this is not about me. And I don't want to distract from a more, I want to elevate other people like you and people who are doing such important work. And I I think I can do that. But other than that, I don't think there's a place for me right now. And that's okay. And I don't want to distract from a more important conversation. And I don't have anything to add to it right now. And that I'm not going to lie was is an identity crisis and a little bit of, you know, but I feel like that's learning and that's educating Mm -hmm. myself. And that's Mm -hmm. what I've learned from, from your group and from a lot of the things I've been reading and it feels correct. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, another part of that is a realization I've come to, and this is getting into a little bit of like theoretical conversation about learning, but my friend, one of my best friends is um, getting her master's in education. So we talk a lot about kind of the education side of outer work. And she helps me a lot with that. And she was talking to me about like these two models of education. One is called banking and one is called constructivism. And the banking model is essentially like you're dropping coins into a student's piggy bank, coins of knowledge. So you're just dumping information on them basically. And I feel like that is very much what Instagram is. So even when I'm adding value, quote unquote, by posting a snippet of a lesson, what I'm really doing is just dropping this like little knowledge bomb on people. That's helpful to some degree, but what's more effective is the constructivist model, which says, I'm going to activate your prior knowledge and I'm going to grow with you and I'm going to learn with you. And we're going to be in conversation as we learn. And I feel like that's what the platform of outer work and now on interplay too, like what those platforms allow me to do is be in conversation with people who want to be there and who really want to engage in that conversation. And it's just a more effective, like just purely like thinking of it that way. It's just literally a more effective way to learn. Um, And I think having those spaces has really also made me understand how devalued social media is in general because we're just getting these knowledge bombs dropped on us all day at best. And at worst, we're just getting a bunch of commercialized posts, right? So I think having these alternative spaces where we can really gather around knowledge in this kind of like, almost like, it almost feels like this ancient like salon kind of setting where we're just there to learn and to be in conversation. That is just so much more valuable to me than, than social media ever could be. Yeah, I think that'll be my post today in Outer Work. So we'll be oh, on the out. <laughs> great. Exclusive. 
<laughs> preview. What's your greatest lesson on friendship? Oh, I think as of late, it has been that we have to give people the space to grow and we have to reapproach our friendship sometimes as if they're new when that person has grown and be willing to kind of start over constantly. Wow. I really love that. What about greatest lesson on family? Oh, acceptance for sure is the big one for me. Being raised so differently than the rest of my family has caused a lot of, I won't say rifts, but definitely just a lot of inconsistencies in how we think about the world and learning to accept that, which also requires empathy has been the saving grace really of my relationships with my family. Mm, That's so good too. We always talk about body image a little bit on the show because Mm -hmm. of my history and uh, have you ever struggled with, with body image or do you, if you ever do, do you, when you're not feeling so great about yourself, what I call a quote, bad body image day, how do you pivot? Mm, That's a great one. Yeah, this is a a newer journey for me, honestly, because when I was younger, I didn't struggle too much with my body image. But when I graduated school, like I mentioned, I lost a lot of weight and kind of simultaneously also gained a lot of attention for it, Mm. which was weird for me. And it was the second time in my life that that happened. It also happened in high school. I was on a migraine medication for my chronic migraines and I lost my appetite and lost a lot of weight. And both times it was like this great this kind of enormous swell in, in attention of, you know, oh, you look so good kind of attention. Like even when I first graduated school, I was modeling for a while. And that added to that, of course, where I knew that I was sick, but that I was being praised for it. And it was really weird and really hard for me to wrap my head around. Inevitably, I gained the weight back. And I also went through a string of hormonal issues that caused me to gain a lot more weight. And I ended up gaining like 40 pounds in two years, kind of out of the blue, which I've only recently been able to get to the root of in the past six months through Chinese medicine. And so it's been a kind of back and forth for the past few years for me. And that's the first time I've I've ever had to deal with body image. And I shared about it a bit on Instagram a long time ago, maybe, well, it was maybe like six months ago. Um, and a lot of people were like, you really should look into more like the, the kind of concept of body neutrality. And I was grateful because I'd never really heard of that. I'd never really thought about that. And so getting to know what that meant a bit more, I really learned to kind of just start thinking my body. And this answers your question about, you know, how do I pivot? Like on a day when I'm feeling really like my body is not, I don't know how to put it, but like, it's just not like living up to my standard maybe, <laughs> or something like when it's, when it's giving me trouble, I try to pivot and go, you know what, like this body exists just to house my spirit and it does so much for me and it carries me through the world. And I just try to like give it love even when it's uncomfortable, but it's something that it's hard and I do struggle with and I don't, I don't pivot enough. And this is actually a great reminder to do that. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I mean, it's like, it's been a big whole thing with me. And so I, yeah. I just, I think what's, what's interesting is like at my most sick, I got the most compliments right. and that is a systematic, you know, I'm learning yeah. so much connection with, with work I'm doing in your work and, and so much from mm-hmm. my eating disorder recovery and it's all very intertwined and interconnected and it's a lot. That was yeah. really useful. Everything you said. Um, 
All right. I could, again, I've kept you. I could talk to you forever, but <laughs> I, we will, um, we will just like dock the boat and you'll have to come back. I would love for you to come yeah, back another time because this was really fun. And maybe next time we can do it in person, which we yeah. were trying to do. That was like the whole point I know. We were do it in LA and I know. I'm glad we just got it in, but I yeah. always record in person. So this is really cool. But before we wrap, I'll ask you the last question, but I, I always just have people, like we were talking about before, recommend things. So book, mm-hmm. music, podcast, food, TV show, mm-hmm. movie, you can, all of them or just some that come to mind, anything you want to share. Okay. Well, I'll share like a movie that Cameron and I watched recently that really was powerful. There's obviously a lot of movies flying around right now having to do with racism and anti-racism work, but this one was one that I haven't heard anyone else mention um, and it's called the Pruitt Igo myth. And it's about a housing development in St. Louis that was built in the fifties. And it's basically about the kind of boom and bust of that housing development and all of the kind of government policy underbelly that went into the demise of it. And I won't give too much away, but it's actually a very fascinating documentary, very moving, definitely sad, but really eye-opening and I think that's a really great one so cool. that's my there yeah any anything else music book or anything that comes Ooh. to mind it's okay if there's if there's not but if you want to call anything out or shout oh, anything I out think. um hmm. oh a great book that I love that's kind of like my energy work bible is called energy medicine by Donna Eden and a lot of the the exercises that I talk about, like that frontal lobe hold that we talked about earlier, come from that book. Yeah. So oh, cool. You want to if anyone wants to dive into that kind of learning on their own, I really recommend that book a lot. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So the name of the show and in, in my work and my book is Let It Out. So mm-hmm. when I offer that to you, is there anything else that you wanted to let out? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked about that you never get to talk about? Anything mm-hmm. else that you want to? express? Ooh, what a great question. Ah, maybe that sigh was it. <laughs> well, that's so funny. So the last thing we do on the show is we always let out a deep breath together. That's funny. And now you didn't even yeah. know that. That's hilarious. I didn't even know that. That's funny. As soon as you were doing it, I was like, maybe she like knows that. And she's like, ready to get out of here. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's do the deep oh, breath together. I thought, wait, sorry. I just thought of something. Oh, great. Please. I wanted to say that a lot of what we talked about, like in terms of addressing the wound kind of yeah. stuff yeah, is yeah. Um, all part of a new program that I actually made that's going to come out in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. So, awesome. Yeah. I always forget that I'm doing that, <laughs> um, awesome. but it's called, it's called how to practice growing. And it's a series of questions that are from mostly from my zine that I made last year. Um, which was really cool, but I've, I've made a digital version of it that's a bit updated and it has energy exercises in it too, but it's mostly just a um, series of questions broken up into three parts. So it's a reflection, reimagination, and action. And the whole idea is to help take people's triggers and turn them into new habits. So basically reflect on the trigger, figure out what's what, what kind of is what got you stuck, and then to kind of reimagine how you want to feel. and then develop habits and goals that will get you towards that feeling. So that's my new program and I'm really excited about it. So yeah, it's one to share that. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. That's, and I don't know if you saw, but I just was on your website today Mm -hmm. and I bought the zine, which I think is maybe this one. Yeah. I ordered it like a couple hours ago. Amazing. I didn't see that. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's taken from that, but tweaked a little bit and updated a bit. And it has videos that go with it too, where cool. I go more in depth. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm so excited to have the tactile one because I think that's really cool for me. Yeah. And um, yeah, all this is awesome. All right. So let's do the deep breaths mm-hmm. together. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> Thank you so much for doing this and everything you shared and everything you are. You're you're really cool. And I'm, I'm really happy to be connected with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And right back at you. That was my episode with Linnea Sims. As you guys now know, she's the best. Follow everything that she does. I couldn't recommend her anti-racism practice group more. She's such a great leader and educator and also interplay is so cool and needed and fun. And I just, I really love being around her and speaking with her and spending time with her and you really get to do that in her programs because they're so personal and you can tell they really feel like the inside of her brain so i'm so grateful that she's here and that she did this podcast and there'll be more of her soon so thank you for being here for listening if this was useful to you if it was entertaining to you if it made you feel less alone send it to a friend share it maybe you want to be part of our community we're doing a book club And we are reading The House of Deep Water by Jenny McFarland. And I'm so excited about this book. It's really good. I'm like halfway through it. And I am so excited for the book club. Jenny McFarland's going to be doing the podcast. She's going to come to our book club in mid-August. So it's free. It's just a fun way for us to connect. And I wanted to support a new author that has a book coming out right now. And what's cool about this book is that It takes place in Michigan, where I'm from. There's many cool things, but that is just one of them. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. Skillshare offers memberships with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and support fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life with all the circumstances that come with it. These lessons can help you stay inspired, express yourself, and introduce you to a community of millions. At a time with so many important conversations happening in our world, your voice is more essential than ever. Explore classes to unlock your creativity for social good. Skillshare has classes on freelancing, entrepreneurship, interior design, cooking, graphic design, photography, music, so much more. You guys, there's literally um, like so many classes on there. One Skillshare class that I'm really excited to take is creative personal writing with past podcast guest, Ashley C. Ford, who I love. It's such a great class. And one of the exercises, she has you revisit a song from when you were young and use that as a writing prompt. Mari Andrew, another guest that I've had on Let It Out, also has a class called Drawing and Self-Discovery that I'm really excited to check out next. Skillshare is incredibly affordable, especially when compared to other really pricey in-person classes and workshops. The annual subscription is less than $10 a month. I love how accessible it is. And best of all, for us, it's even more affordable. Start with two months free of a premium membership and explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash let it out. That's two months free at Skillshare.com slash let it out. 
All right. I love you guys. The emoji for this week's episode, if you're still listening right now, if you are new here, what you do with the emoji is you comment to it on my Instagram and on our guest's Instagram to let us know that you are listening all the way to the end. The guest chooses the emoji. This week's emoji is the person doing a cartwheel. Play, interplay, outer play. Just play. Do a cartwheel if you know how to do a cartwheel. Don't hurt your back or any other part of your body while you do it. I love you and I'm so glad you're here and I will talk to you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.